Hello, and welcome to episode 10 of Dads Do the News. My name is Isaac, and I am joined, as always, by my great friend Dave. Dave, how's it going over there? I am doing okay. Um, it's uh, it's springtime in Mesquite, and so the varmints are out, and somebody in my neighborhood ran over a skunk. So if I gag and retch throughout this time, it's not because I have a cold, it's because my house smells of skunk. We just talked about this. My in-laws were in town. And um, they mentioned that they smelled some skunk, and I, I'd forgotten Utah has a fair amount of skunk smell, just hanging out on the freeway and things mm-hmm. like that. Yeah. And when we moved back to Utah from Iowa and Kentucky, where we had spent some time, the skunk smell was, like, comforting <laughs> to me. Yeah. Oh, it was comforting. No, it was. It was like, really? mm, smells like home, you know? <laughs> you know it, it's funny that you say that, and this is maybe a little personal, but uh, it, we're dads, so we can do this. So when I was a little kid, my mom worked as a waitress, and this was back in the days when people still smoked and stuff at restaurants. And so she would come home after a long night of waitressing, uh, smelling of grease and uh, cigarette smoke. And to this day... That smell is so comforting because it means, ah, mom is home. Yeah. Um, but uh, skunk smell, no comfort there. Just, just, how do they live with themselves? That's what I really want to know. Pepe uh, Le Pew, must, how does the man live? They must <laughs> have bad of, olfactory speaking, senses. Yeah, exactly. Speaking of how does that man live with himself, let's do a quick Trump date. Trump date, well, here's the main gist of this Trump date is that I'm so burned out on Trump news. When I started to prepare for the podcast today, I was just looking over the news and reviewing in my mind the news I've read over the last week. And I saw all the Trump stuff and controversies. And I just was like, I don't care. You know, like, just quick review of things that are happening that I just having a hard time caring about. Um, all of the issues with the Republicans Health Care Act and the bad projections by the Congressional Budget Office and things like that. The fact that a judge in Hawaii blocked his new travel ban. The fact that his tax returns from 2005 were leaked to the media. The fact that there's no evidence of his claim for wiretapping against Obama and his administration refused to provide it. Blah, blah, blah. Ugh. I just, I just don't care. So I think we should cover other things in this episode. Yeah, I mean, and we're going to. It's hard to not care because if this... Like, let's say we have any other president and, and one of these things were to happen to them. It would, like, be the end of their presidency and the loss of all faith. But it it's like no one has any faith. He's going to be impeached. It's just a matter of time. I didn't because, say that I shouldn't care. I said I don't care, if that makes sense. Uh, it does, and that's an important... Um, that is a very important distinction, and I'm glad you made it. And and we should care, and, and I think we need to keep trying to care because he is our president, and his actions and the actions of his administration are, are important, but not not something we're going to spend any time on tonight because we're going to talk about other things. Yeah, we don't have to spend time on it necessarily on Dads Do the News. So no, let's, talk about, um, let's talk about doctors. Yeah, so um, uh, about... Uh, have you ever been to the hospital? I have. I have been hospitalized a few fact, times. I think when I was in high school, I came to visit you in the hospital. You had yeah, I, uh, meningitis, as I recall. That was actually our freshman year of college. Was it really now? Yeah, it was. <laughs> freshman year <laughs> of college, really, I had really uh, senior uh, viral year meningitis. Yeah, yeah, that's right. I remember that now. Um, and uh, so, yeah, I know you've been to the hospital. I've been to the hospital. I've been hospitalized twice, uh, once with appendicitis and once with a broken leg. Um, 
So anyway, um, doctors, uh, as we know, most hospitals, the um, there's physicians who have patients from their practice who spend time in the hospital and they come visit them. But if you're being treated by a hospital doctor, chances are he's a resident, which is a doctor. Basically, a, he's got his degree, but he does not yet have his board certifications. And he's got to put he or she, I'm so sorry, he or she uh, or she or he has to put in um, their uh, requisite number of hours or times or whatever to get their board certifications. And they do that by working at hospitals. Now, here's the rub. Uh, up until about three or four years ago, maybe a little bit longer, um, doctors regularly worked um, like 30 to 36 hour shifts. They would just, bam, they would be at the hospital 36 hours straight or 30 hours straight. And so um, the accrediting uh, entity um, uh, said, okay, we can't do that. So they cut them down to like still 16 hours. Yeah, these unbelievable shifts of like 16 hours a day. Um, and it turned out that that actually uh, had an adverse effect on patient outcomes, um, or at least it seemed to. And the problem is that there were too many patient handoffs. So you come in, you're there for a while, you see the patient, especially in like intensive care, you see the patient a few times uh, throughout your shift, and you, you get some idea of where they're at. And just as you're getting an idea of where they're at, it's time for you to go off shift and go home, and you hand it off to a new doctor, and you try and give them as much as you, information as you can, but they don't really get it all. And then that new doctor has to spend most of their shift getting reacclimated with the client, uh, the clients, <laughs> the patient's condition. So, uh, uh, that rule is gone, so. Yeah, my my wife is a nurse. Well, uh, she's a nurse practitioner now, but when we were first married, for many years, she worked as a hospital nurse, and they do 12-hour shifts. And there's a few reasons that they do that. It makes scheduling a little simpler uh, when you do just 12-hour shifts. You have two people working in a 24-hour period. But the main reason is to reduce patient handoff because yeah. a large number of errors and breakages in care happen due to bad handoffs. And they're not easy to do. I mean, you have to keep really good charting, but I mean, the amount of charts that they keep can be pretty big and it's hard to read it over and it's hard to know what's the salient points. So they have this reporting that they do on a handoff, but that's an area where there's a huge room for error. So anyway, going back to 24-hour shifts, and of course the uh, resident uh, advocacy groups are just irate. I don't blame them. And more to the point, though, um, have you ever had to work a 24-hour shift? No. I did it once. Um, like there were, uh, there were, well, well uh, there were either two or three days where I either didn't go home or I think one of the, one, I went home in the morning to shower and change and I came right back to work. And um, it is unbelievable how poor your work product is when you've been working for more than, I, I don't know, I think it's pretty believable. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, I mean, looking back at, uh, I, I was, by the end of it, I was basically catatonic. Um, and so, Number one, it's a good thing nobody asked lawyers to do this because I wouldn't. Uh, and number two, uh, I was just writing briefs. My stuff was just money. Uh, I, 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 it is amazing to me that there are human beings that care for other human beings in that type of uh, condition. So uh, my, my understanding is that they will often sleep during a 24-hour shift. Well, yeah, they're catching cat naps. I was going to say my hat is off to them. And yeah, they're catching cat naps or, you know, uh, half an hour here, half an hour there. So that's better than what I was doing because I was just chugging right. rock stars and going straight through. But still, whew. I guess they earn those, the, the yacht and the, and the big house and, and all of that. So well, the other, the other thing that we haven't, 
the other thing we haven't talked about yet is just this question of training. So I talked to, I, my wife has an uncle who's a doctor, and I actually asked him about this once, about the shorter shifts, because he has a son that is now in residency and is doing the shorter shifts. And they had to increase the residency by like two years or something like that. Uh, because uh-huh. they're just getting less experience in the time period, right? Like you see so much more in a 24-hour shift than if you're then doing like 12 to 16-hour shifts. Yeah. Interesting. And so it's it's a tough question because there is this question of patient handoffs. Um, I, the, the, I did read the article you posted, and they did say that uh, patient outcomes seemed to be a little worse with the 16-hour right. shifts. Exactly. And there's this the question of just like, residency is this time where doctors just drink from this fire hose but it's also where they get most of their practical training and so they spend several years just like just totally drowning in medical experience and knowledge but when they exit that process they've like done everything they've seen everything multiple times you know it's it's intense but i don't know it's it's tough it's tough to know what to do I have one last point on this, and that's just because since uh, lawyers and doctors uh, traditionally hate each other, um, I think that this whole rule and the whole issue that we need uh, residents to work this many hours is glaring proof that the doctor's cartel, a.k.a. the AMA, has done a much better job protecting its secret guild um, and uh, protecting doctor salaries than my guild, a.k.a. the American Bar Association, or really any other profession. There's a shortage of doctors. Why is there a shortage of doctors? Because the AMA wants there to be a shortage of doctors so they can make more money. Yep. I'm just throwing that make, out there. They make the money. Conspiracy yeah. theories, you heard it here first on Dads <laughs> Do the News. No, no. <laughs> I, 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 that is not my original theory, but I'll take credit for it. Okay, <laughs> um, and that takes us to... Um, Dad news, not dad news. No, this is just news about a dad. Well, Sorry, it go almost ahead. was dad news. I I waffled about what should be dad news, and uh, this almost became dad news. But there's this video going around on the interwebs. Uh, have you seen it about the the dad who's doing a segment on BBC, and suddenly his kids walk into the room? Oh, that's hysterical. I'm going to do it right now. Okay, you you talk. I'm going to watch. <laughs> okay, yeah, it is it is so good. So he's uh, an American uh, foreign policy expert. For the Koreas. I actually feel like I recognized his name. So maybe he's a former ambassador or, or something like that, or diplomat of some kind. Um, he's at home, and the BBC is talking about North and South Korea and the relationship and some of the strains that have been going on recently. Uh-huh. And then they start talking to this guy who's joining from home. He's American. And in uh-huh. the middle of him talking, uh, his kid walks through the the bedroom door that where he's doing the <laughs> the filming, and he's live. <laughs> oh, he's live! Yes, it's so funny. And then oh, the hysterical. Um, it's this is awful trying to describe this video on the podcast. So you should really just go watch it. But the host immediately says, "Oh, I think one of your children walked in." The father just sits there and kind of like his eyes roll up into his head. It's like this nightmare scenario. And he says, he just says over and over again, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. Anyway, then a second child in a little walker scoots into the room, like an eight month old through the open door. And he's like, I'm so sorry. He's like trying to push his, his older child out of the way. He's like, believe. And then his wife. They break to a commercial break. (laughs) No, no. This is just live the whole time. And then his wife walks in the room. And to get the like, kids, to get the kids, and she's like oh ducking low, like she's exiting a helicopter. And she's like, 
<laughs> running in, rounding up the kids. Oh my gosh, I can see it right now. Oh yeah, oh, that's it's, hysterical. Oh, it's so good. We'll post it. <laughs> He's pushing him out of the way. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what he should have done is just put him on his lap and said, "This is like North Korea," and then got the other little kid and been, "Oh, oh, there comes mom." <laughs> yes, mom comes in. It's the best. Oh, that's hysterical. So this is oh. what I love about it. Are you done watching it now? Yeah, go ahead. Okay. What I love about this video is it's, in fact, he said, I wrote this quote down. Um, he said, my real life punched through the fake cover I had created for television. And I thought that was a great <laughs> quote because we all, you know, especially dads, but everybody who has kids, um, we all have these lives that exist outside of work, but generally in the professional setting, we all basically pretend that we don't, right? We're all like these free-floating individuals who have like no, no other commitments, and uh, we try to minimize the intrusions on our work life from our families and things like that as much as possible. But every once in a while, just like real life just jabs straight through, and it's like, yeah, this is what it's like for a working parent. You're always being interrupted by children. You're always thinking about balancing like how you do your work with your kids. I don't know. I loved the video. Oh, that was beautiful. Seriously, that I'm glad that video just made my day. Um, because <laughs> I, I, I mean, I've I've never been on national television. Hint, hint. Fox News. Um, but um, you know, I have had um, uh, my wife and the kids drop by at work, and you know, oftentimes we've planned it in advance, and we're gonna go to lunch. But a client has also dropped in to curse and yell about their situation and all of a sudden hi daddy are you ready for a picnic yeah <laughs> i think that, oh, that's wonderful I, I think that we have still have a ways to go to balance the sort of work-life thing especially as more households more and more households are dual income right where both parents are trying to get some work done at various times throughout the week and you know i i, I work at a very family-friendly workplace it's very much just sort of like, hey, if you need to take a, an hour or two off to go to a kid's soccer game or uh, very frequently we'll see a guy uh, or a gal bring their kid to work to hang out for an mm -hmm. afternoon if there's like a babysitting situation. And just nobody says anything. It's kind of like, hey, the kid's just sitting there next to their parent and uh, watching, watching what that person's doing and it's fine. And I think that's great because sure. that gives some flexibility. And it's also nice because my work gives flexibility for people to be the parent too, to be away from work when you need to. And I think that's yeah. something that we need to improve on uh, because life is life and it does involve work, but it also involves kids and family and things like that. Well, and even from an economic standpoint, I think that, you know, uh, investing in these sorts of work-life balance adjustments now will pay dividends in the future because, hey, we can all take care of our kids and yes. help them to be good people and good wage earners and... They're not going to grow up their entire lives wanting to stick it to the man that kept mom and dad from coming home to play. So Yeah, but yeah, I have to I say agree. that I don't really care about the economic argument. Like, I get tired of people boiling every issue down to whether or not it pays economically. Like, Well, what else is there? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> what else is there? <laughs> what else it's is like, there to life At some but point, money, my I would like the country or, or any, any, any group of governing that basically steps back and says you know what, this is going to be bad for the economy, but good for people's souls. Well, isn't that what YouTube is? No, YouTube is... Or is it bad for both? <laughs> it's probably bad for both. 
Oh, but cat videos. The okay. fact that we have um, celebrities where their sole function is to play video games and make snarky comments while other people watch them do that, that, that blows my mind. That has to people, stop. You can make money doing that? Oh my gosh. There are people who make millions a year. Not very many of them, but yeah, they're like YouTube celebrities. No adults know who they are, but you ask anybody who's like 12 to 15 years old, and these are the people they worship. Once again, I chose the wrong career field. Speaking of choosing the wrong career field, if, if we can move on, I think yeah. um, this next uh, item, it, it, I had never heard of it. Apparently, it's been boiling up uh, through the, uh, the ranks of the Navy for years now, but it caught my eye because it's called the Fat Leonard Scandal. And anything called the Fat Leonard Scandal had better be good. And this one does not di- disappoint. Okay. Pr- prediction. So, so- Before the Trump administration is over, they will have a scandal with a better name than Fat Leonard Scandal. No, because they will all end in gate. This one does not end in gate. This is not the Fat Leonard Gate scandal. This is just Fat Leonard. So <laughs> with... with <laughs> Without any, it's not Navy Gate, it's not uh, Baby Gate, it's Fat Leonard Scandal. Without any further ado, so here's uh, here's here's what went down uh, in the South Pacific. Uh, so this fellow, um, Fat Leonard, named Fat Leonard, uh, I think he has his name is I think Leonard Francis or something like that. Anyway, um, he has a company called Glen Defense Asia, and what Glen Defense Asia does is they sell uh, they they resupply naval ships when they when they come into port because these ships are out you know for months and months at a time they need food they need water they need uh, toilet paper they need other such and sundry things and that's what his company does and he bid for these contracts and he was getting them and he was he was number one overcharging for the products that he was selling to the navy and number two um, he was being fed uh, classified um, port and ship travel schedules by uh, navy officers now you may ask yourself why on earth would these guys uh, it's all guys it actually is all guys and you'll learn why in just a minute uh, be giving uh, <laughs> this class of highly classified information away to a man named Fat Leonard well Fat Leonard knows how to party well with um, a name like Fat Leonard you basically know that he has mafia ties because that's the only way you get a nickname like that uh, he was actually just really fat I think it's like hey, we're gonna give it to Fat Leonard <laughs> He's, he's okay. our guy on the Asia ports. <laughs> the man was Malaysian, not Italian, and I think he was just really fat. Um, <laughs> all uh, Godfather, all like grand poobahs of mafias, they all talk like the Godfather, oh, which is okay. actually a movie I've never seen. Yeah, I can tell by the way you're trying to talk like the Godfather. Dude, I'm anyway, it. I'm nailing. So it. what? You're you're killing it. Um, I can't tell if you're trying to do Trump or. Or chump. Anyway, uh, so what he would do is he would have these uh, Navy officers to these hotels in various uh, cities in Asia, um, and he would give them whatever they wanted. You want a $2,000 cigar? Here you go. You want a $2,000 prostitute? Here you go. You want a $2,000 prostitute smoking a $2,000 cigar? Here you go. You want lobster? Here you go. You want five lobsters? Here you go. I mean, he would throw a party for like five of these guys and they would run the hotel bill up to like twenty or $30,000 for one party. Wow. Yeah. And um, so it has brought down Fat Leonard for one. He uh, was lured to San Diego and arrested. Because uh, he's Malaysian, so they had to get him on uh, U.S. soil first. Um, and he has been naming names for the last three years. Uh, most recently, 
Um, the first admiral uh, to be brought down in this um, scandal uh, was arrested uh, last night, I believe, and it is um, Hayward, I think his name is. Um, and um, yeah, the the heads are conti continuing to roll with this controversy. And the thing that it raises to me is it it's surprising me. I'm sorry, Admiral Bruce Loveless uh, was just arrested as the most recent uh, high-ranking naval official to fall. It's interesting to me that he wasn't giving these guys money. He wasn't giving them drugs. He was just throwing parties for them. Crazy parties, to be sure. But he was just throwing parties, and that's all it took for these guys to betray their oaths to the United States of America. Which leads me to ask, what have we come to? A fancy well, meal, a date, and a hotel was all it took? This is what it leads me to ask. So tell, explain to me what the classified information was. What was it? Um, mainly, I think, routes and um, port schedules. This is like so that he would know when they would be in port. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, he could, so here's he my question. Why doesn't the company that's going to resupply the ship know in advance when it's going to arrive in port? Um, well, because if the company knows, then a small band of terrorists with a semi-rigid inflatable boat will also know, and they'll pull up alongside it and blow a hole in the side of the ship. There are ways to tell contractors information without making it public. There's all sorts of subcontractors for the military who see uh, private and classified information. Well, I... I I think, I, I, I don't know, I'm not a quartermaster for the Navy, but I assume that probably the, the resupply contractors found out at some point, but he was finding, find outing, heard it first on dad, do the news. He was finding out well in advance of when he was supposed to. That's fair. Um, it must have given him some kind of competitive edge. Oh, to yeah, know absolutely. Advance. Absolutely it did. And so, um yeah, that's uh, that's the most recent developments in the Fat Leonard scandal. Um, we'll uh, keep you posted as more Fat Leonard news develops. We always knew that when they cut Fat oh, Leonard, gosh. that he would squeal like a girl. Like a pig. <laughs> a pig in the poke. Uh, <laughs> okay. Uh, <laughs> dad news? What's that? Let's talk about dad news. All right. Dad news. Dad news. Okay. So... This is this dad news is really a, just an excuse to talk about kids and technology and how we do that how we deal with that as parents. But Google has announced that they are going to start allowing children under twelve to create Google accounts. Previously, uh, anyone could do this if they just lied about their age, which is basically what all kids did. But uh, at least nominally, Google did not allow children under twelve to create accounts. Um, they've started this. They're rolling it out mostly as a way to put parental controls on Android devices. So there's a new app called Family Link. If you want to use it, you request an account somewhere on the internet. Google it. You'll find it. Uh, once you're approved, they will install an app on your phone. And then from there, you can create this account for your child. Then you take another Android device and log in with that child's account. And then it becomes like your kid's phone or your kid's tablet or whatever, right? Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? And yeah. then then it gives you a bunch of parental controls. You can monitor activity on the device. You can control which apps you can use. You can, you can control which apps have access to hardware like the camera or the microphone. You mm -hmm. can impose screen time limits to auto shut off the device in the evening. Um, lots of kind of in interesting stuff. It's actually stuff that uh, iPhones so far have been way ahead in the game of parental controls on a device. 
Right, because the Android philosophy is wide open, anything goes, whatever. Well, kids right. tend to get left behind in that kind of philosophy. Yeah, well, or they don't get left behind, and then they have these unrestricted screens. Well, I meant their, their souls get left behind. I <laughs> yeah, think, but. that is. So <laughs> this, I mean, really brings up the question of, as dads, as parents, how do we make decisions about teaching our children how to use technology responsibly? So here's my question for you. Do you have a tablet for your children? No. Do you have a phone for your children? No. When or it, or do you ever plan to get those things for your children? <laughs> That's a good question. Uh, my oldest is four, um, and, and I recognize that a lot of families by four, you know, one of you know, the kid will have a, a, a device that they use pretty regularly. But I don't know if it's because we don't really make a whole lot of use of our devices when they're around or what. But our oldest just isn't that interested in that, in it, in the idea. Um, so I don't know. I, 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 we ponder that issue on a regular basis. Like I would like to say, you know, five or six, that's when they can start having a little bit of screen time, you know, playing games, whatever. Um eight or nine introduced to the wide world of the internet and then uh at 28 they can have their own phone (laughs) (laughs) i I like that yeah you know i work in the tech industry right i'm a software engineer and so i am by no means a luddite i love technology i've got i've got we've got smartphones my wife and i i was an owner of uh, the very first iPhone. In fact, I owned every version of the iPhone for the he first. He owned like, the very first iPhone ever. <laughs> no, made. I just mean the first version. <laughs> but I mean, I was an early adopter. But I feel very hesitant to give my children very much screen time at all. I mean, that's to say, our daughter does watch movies on TV, uh, like with through Netflix and stuff. Uh, she gets movie time once a day, uh, and she gets to watch about half a movie. This is typically after her nap because that's when she's the grouchiest. Mm. But um, I really hesitate to just give her a device that kind of at will she can play with. And part of the reason for that is I've seen my inability to control myself with my phone and how hard it is as an adult whose uh, prefrontal cortex is supposedly fully developed. Um, or I should I say allegedly fully developed, developed de- as developed as is ever going as developed to be. it's going to get <laughs> as a girl as an adult it's extremely hard for me and my wife sometimes we both get distracted by stuff that's on our phones in ways that we don't like and we're kind of like oh why are we doing this let's let's get off the phone let's spend time together I can only imagine how hard it would be for a young child my oldest is also four she is one week older than your oldest um Yes, she is. They are basically the same age. They're basically the same age. Anyway, I so my philosophy is we have no tablets for our kids. I, at this point, have no intention in getting one. Um, I may get sort of like a dumb phone for my child at some point so I can GPS track them and call them when I want to. Why not just have a chip implanted in their neck? That would be preferable. That would yeah. be preferable, especially if it would go off if a boy starts kissing her. Gosh, I hope so. <laughs> we both have daughters. <laughs> Yeah, as our eldest. But yes, I have no intentions of buying my child a smartphone ever. Like, my basic feeling will be when my daughter comes to me someday, and she will, she'll say, can I have a smartphone? Like next I'll week say, sometime. I'll say, like, sure, go get a job. <laughs> Once you can buy yourself a smartphone, you are welcome to have one. Yeah, I think that that's, I think that's a good rule. That can, the, the, and, and we're really getting into water that we've never 
had to, or we're looking at water that we've never swam in. So, you know, there are going to be our listeners who are like, these idiots have no idea what they're talking about. But, you know, I think there are some parents who say, well, I want to buy the phone for my kids so I can control it. But I know that, yeah, it never works out well. The internet is just so alluring. It's well, hard. and just because you're controlling your kid's phone, they have friends with phones that are uncontrolled, right? Right. Yeah. And that's so, that's the thing that really scares me is I, I think that my kids will be reasonably controlled with their access and their internet time. But what about their friends? That's and that's what every every parent is concerned about is, is yep. other people's kids because their kids are angels. They would never do anything wrong. And I um, don't think I don't think it's wrong to think about it this early in the sense that it's really easy to just kind of let the tide of the times take you take you where where it does right and so if you're not thinking about it then you'll kind of hit this age and your kid will be like my my friends have smartphones you're like yeah sure why not i've never really thought about it i don't know i think it's smart to think about it you can always amend your thoughts later but it's good to be aware agreed from somewhere in a cold dark part of hell steve jobs is laughing i read an interesting article that steve jobs did not let his kids have ipads well, yeah, because he knew he he knew what product he was selling. He yeah, wasn't going to exactly. let anywhere near his kids. Like <laughs> I said, somewhere in a cold, dark corner of hell, Steve Jobs is laughing. Yeah, he is. Um, but you know what's not a laughing ma- matter? Pants on fire. Pants on fire. You know what is a laughing matter? Pants on fire. <laughs> when a lawyer's pants <laughs> catch on fire. Okay, so so here's the scoop. Uh, it's not a scoop. This has been scooped 5,000 times in the last five minutes because it's a crazy, funny story. So this lawyer is representing a guy in an arson case. And his defense is not a particularly good one. His defense is that the fire was spontaneous and his client, if anything, was guilty of of an accident, not uh, the intent necessary to commit arson. So when you say spontaneous, it's not spontaneous combustion. He's saying that it was an accident, basically. Yeah, it was an accidental combustion, exactly, Um, which is negligent, but not not arson. Um, Mm -hmm. Anyway, and as he's starting his closing argument, his pants start to smoke. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's a I have not read anything about it, but I'm just going to guess that it's an e-cigarette. Yeah, that's exactly what it was and he <laughs> he goes running out of the courthouse and um removes his e-cigarette batteries and dumps them in um the uh the um laboratory sink and comes back and with with a hole burned in his suit pants pocket. Uh, completes his his closing arguments and it's his client is convicted his story is that it truly was an accident and he, it was an accidental combustion um, <laughs> just like just like what are the chances what his the client chances? had an accidental combustion i had an accidental combustion everyone's having them these days exactly um the judge ain't buying it and neither is the miami-dade county attorney and so they are now investigating him for some kind of fire-related crime at the courthouse. <laughs> you know what they say about lawyers? Tell me, what do they say about lawyers? They'll do anything to win a case, including setting their own pants on fire. I have never set my own pants on fire. I that's have worn... pretty sure that's a common phrase that people say. They'll do anything except including setting their own pants on fire. That's right. Yeah, yeah, no, I wouldn't... Um, I have worn ill-fitting pants because uh, I forgot to bring a suit, and so I had to go to my backup suit, which is stowed in my office, which is my least favorite suit, which is why it's my backup suit. I've had to do that. Yeah, I mean, actually, when you think about lawyers, I think they'd be unlikely to set their own pants on fire. 
they'd be likely to set your your pants on fire. I would set your pants on fire in a New York second, Isaac. Yeah, especially if you thought it would get me off, right? <laughs> uh, if it would get you off of a, a charge, I would set your pants on fire right now. Yeah. In fact, are they, they smoking yet? No, they're not. That's because um, you're a bad lawyer. <laughs> yeah, I guess. Or or your wife decided to take the $20 I gave her and not set your pants on fire. Um, so, yeah, uh, I think this guy's going to end up picking up a charge, a criminal <laughs> charge, <laughs> as he should. Oh, um, liar, ju- liar, pants on fire. So the, so the, the one, one last thing. The, the police have confiscated the batteries, and um, they had a hearing for his client's case, and the judge basically said, yeah, we're going to get your client a new lawyer. And his comment from the bench, uh, which is um, actually the desk where, where judges sit, not a bench. It's confusing, I know. But anyway, from the bench, the judge said, I find it far too coincidental that this man is giving closing arguments in an arson case and his pants catch on fire. And just then, smoke billows out from under the <laughs> judge's robes. <laughs> He's like, oh, man, my <laughs> cigarette. cigarette. <laughs> oh, if we could only be so lucky. So I have one last question for you, Isaac, and then we will, uh, I think, wrap it up unless you've got something else. No, I don't. What's your question? Have you been happy at work this week? Yeah, I've been happy at work this week. Thanks for asking. Excellent. That is exactly have, what I wanted to hear. Have you been happy at work this week? Uh, yes. Yes. Yes, I have. Yeah, that's right. You are obligated to answer in that way. Is your uh, boss a listener of the podcast? (laughs) (laughs) I don't know, but the city attorney at least mentioned it in court last week. Oh, there you go. Getting famous in your big fish and small pond. Yeah, an increasingly big fish in a small pond. Well, that's all I've got, man. That'll do it for today. If you have any questions or comments, you can reach us by emailing podcast at dadsdothenews.com. You can also follow us on Facebook at Dads Do the News, and thank you for joining us.